Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hey, word on the street, Ethan, we have a very special hot topic for today. What do you say we dive in on that? Sounds good. Let's hit it. Today's hot topic features Ricardo Sibani of My Neighbor Alice. My Neighbor Alice won the Binance Launch Pool Project of the Year Award in 2021, and it aims to be the first fully decentralized blockchain game. Ricardo Sibani, CPO of My Neighbor Alice, started working in the Web3 space in 2016, since then has worked in projects spacing from fintech, DevOps, software for blockchains, NFT protocols, and games, both in technical and business roles. Ricardo, welcome to Edge of NFT. Thank you very much for having me here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, it sounds like things are a little bit chilly over there. And I guess you're in Norway, yes? Netherlands. 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 Close, close. I was so close, but it's a good time to build in the cold weather. And you guys have been building a lot. I remember when this project first hit the news and really curious to get the latest and greatest from you. To give our listeners some background, why was My Neighbor Alice created and how does it connect to the world of NFTs and how did that idea come about? Yeah, we started a few years ago and we have been building, making a game takes years and making it fully decentralized on the blockchain is even more complex. The idea of My Neighbor Alice was born because we wanted to, we created a protocol for the originals. And we wanted to test it in the real world. You create all these protocols, you think they're faster, but then they're better even if only if they are actually used by different projects. And we wanted to show the potential of it. And we thought that the game would be perfect because it handles a lot of assets. It hands, handles a lot of complex logics and you can really build up on that. People can build up on that and the community can create the better tools, better stories and the self-express in the best way. And so we started looking for games, what kind of games we wanted to make. And came to the conclusion that we wanted something that it was about community, that it was something fun and happy, something where people could, uh, in a safe place, a safe space. And that's how we came with Money Boralis. The idea was of the of one of the creators at the time to create this world very welcoming. From the user, this is very nice. And on the other hand, we really tried to push the technology a bit forward by having all these NFTs, like literally everything in Money Boralis, it is an NFT. Why Alice? Is Alice just because no one's ever met a not nice Alice? Or is there a certain reference to Alice? It does not. It was just so when the name came up, it was not even discussed. It was, yes, that's the name. It gives kind of the idea of something that is familiar Alice. Everybody knows one Alice. And at the same time, you have like the neighbor and you're already safe. You're already in a place that, that you're equating. There wasn't like a big thought about the name. I know games usually change name many times over the project, over their life. It just works. What's the target niche audience? Of course, it's access to a broader audience, but like who's the avatar that you aim this towards the central core? 
So definitely we are looking into the crypto community. I think that we are quite known in the crypto community, but we are not that known outside. And also I think it doesn't make sense to really go reach all the people outside when a game is not even is not yet fully 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 developed. But yet the audience that we want is somebody that actually play games. And something that I realized talking with studios is that they say, oh no, we don't want blockchain. We want to make games. And crypto people, they don't play games. I don't know if any of you play video games. I mean, I know you had a lot of game projects, so I guess it's a yes. I've been working in crypto and I've been playing games. And I think that there is definitely, there is an overlap. And the way that we made Alice is that actually it can accommodate different types of players. You have a layer for crypto, people that know crypto, people that are comfortable using the token, people that are comfortable using NFTs in a more, not techy way, but more, crypto-friendly way. These people are the one that makes the tool that welcome the people that are not into crypto because we have different layers. For example, we have a feature that will come out that is renting. You don't need to own a land. You don't need to buy an NFT. You can just rent it from them and they can invite you. Maybe I'm into crypto and I can invite my friends that are not into crypto. And another nice part of Paris is that if you play the game, you do not notice blockchain. You don't see, there are transactions going under the hood and you have a wallet to link, but there is no crypto complexity on the game. The complexity is out and it's deliberate to have this division because if you play the game, you want to play the game. You don't want to deal with the MetaMask and stuff like that. If you want to set up, you want to expand, you want to create something better, then you have your website where you can take care of your tokens. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. And also you want something that isn't going to be broken. And I know something that, that you guys have a propensity for is to make an unbreakable game, right? Or to, to work on something that's unbottable, unhackable. Can you tell us a little bit about how you go about that mission? Yeah, making a game fully decentralized actually means that somebody's going to try to hack. And you see it everywhere. Every time people make super interesting attacks on Uniswap, even by leverage and front running and stuff like that, this will be this is super easy if you don't have specific design to prevent that. For example, Uniswap has many mitigation, at least, uh, and similar protocols have many mitigations. In games, usually, you have an anti-cheat uh, engine. Basically, you have software that is can be run on the server, on the front end, that tries to guess uh, if you are uh, cheating. This is uh, actually a centralized software, and it goes against the, the idea of a decentralized game. We are prevented from using these softwares 
And the same way being decentralized, we don't have a server that can verify your logic. What we do is to have a smart contract on chain that makes sure that the action you're taking are actually strategic and they're not based on grinding. In many moralities, there is no grinding. All the grinding that you do is very little and it's for the fun. It's for like seeing, for example, your plant growing and see that your plant is getting taller and developing the fruits and then you harvest, but it's not going to take like 20 minutes clicking on every tiles like free-to-play games. And this is because this is something that would be very, very easy to fake on the blockchain. The gameplay that we offer is something that is more strategic. It's more about what do I want to create? The strategy should be, I want to create this ambience in my plot. I think that people want to buy this kind of thematic NFTs into my neighbor Alice. I want to strategize today to craft the item that I want to buy, that I want to sell tomorrow. It's really a different way of designing the game, taking an approach that is blockchain first. And this is, uh, I think, was one of the leading thoughts that we had back in the days. Yeah, that's genius. Yeah, you flagged it as the first fully decentralized blockchain game because there are so many centralized elements to gaming, whether it's where data is stored or, like you said, authenticity checks, anti-cheating checks, and so on. It really is hard to build something that is authentically decentralized. It's even today, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the point is, I think that people should at least be proposed with a choice. If I want to play my neighbor Alice and I don't want to have any centralized solution because I live in a country that, uh, that where it's not possible or because it's, there are bans going or because for my own privacy or because I don't want to disclose uh, information to my government or yeah. anything, I should be given the possibility to do that. Right. Then yeah. uh, there is a different type of players that is willing to give uh, uh, those information away, is willing to use custodial solutions. And we have to give these tools also. We should integrate these tools. But if you have something decentralized, you can always accommodate the centralized part but not vice versa. Yeah, easier to go back. Yeah, exactly. It's good to give like, to create a core that is decentralized. That's what we are doing. Then uh, there are many services that, that help onboarding the user. There are many services that make the life of the user easier. And all these technology are coming up now. I guess you, you hear from them every week, couple of times. Uh, and it's just a matter of time and crypto is coming. Yeah, trains left the station, as we like to say. One of the you know, core elements, right, of blockchain and in a decentralized world that's so important is community. And you have this community quest that's currently happening in the game. What is that? And how does that relate to shared NFTs and the whole underpinning of this game? Yeah, the idea was that we want to have these collaborations and we want people to shape the archipelago. We have this aggregation of islands uh, separated into regions. And the people that own a plot into one region, they're not just guarding their ranch uh, and staying away from the other. We want people to interact with each other. We have plots that are for the community, that are available for everybody. And you can go there, gather resources. And for example, in season two, we are gathering resources to create the initial fan hub. Basically, you will get uh, some, I can't display yet, but some uh, fundamental buildings that you will need uh, further in the game that are owned by all the people that are in the regions. These are multi-purpose buildings. And so they can gather in communities that are smaller, for example, neighborhood of town, of, of plots, they can gather in neighborhoods and, uh, for example, build uh, facilities that makes everything easier for them. For example, they can have a storage that is shared. If you don't have the budget to buy one, you can share it. If you have, I make a very silly example, but we have it already a fish rod and it's very expensive and it gets the best fish that you can get uh, in the salty waters, for example. 
then why should you buy it and own it if you're going to use it once every four weeks or once a week? You can just say, hey, let's buy it together. We are 10 people. We pay a, we, we pay a tenth of it. And then we have it here in the main square. And this is the point of smart contracts. You know, smart contract taught us that we can be trustless. I can leave the fish rod there and I know that nobody's going to steal it because there is a smart contract actually guarding my fish rod. And I can book it, take it, right. go get the fish, and then I can decide to also put the fish or not in, uh, in common with the others. This is also part that can be decided uh, by the community via the smart contract. The way of many bodies, I think, is to give the tools to the community in order to create uh, the governance, if you want, the rules that they have, that they want to have within their community. And they can have multiple communities, mm -hmm. like you have the community that is in your, in your block, in your town, in your city, in your region, state, country. And I don't know what else. It makes sense. It's funny. One of the things that's always kind of a tenant of how we think about things is the idea of collaborative consumption and taking advantage of excess capacity. And we've done that a lot in the real world. In fact, we're doing even with Outer Edge, our event this year, we have this space on the Outer Edge and we have these land grants and we're bringing people in to, to have access to this space that might not otherwise be able to participate in our event. But man, I don't think I've really layered on that idea of collaborative consumption, of leveraging excess capacity in blockchain, in the digital world or in gaming or even the metaverse for that matter. And I haven't heard a lot of people actually talk about that besides yourself. And there's something really interesting in there when you think about how to efficiently utilize space, involve community and consume in a collaborative way. Yeah, there are many protocols that do renting, which is something that goes in that direction. Yeah. And they usually work with collaterals or they work uh, in a way that is not as decentralized. That's yeah. uh, simply put. And having something that works trustlessly, I think it can dramatically increase the chance of people collaborating because you're not going to get in real world. We tend to trust people and that's amazing. And we have even lower security barriers because, you know, if I borrow you my fish rod, maybe you bring it back, maybe you don't. But in this case, we can be sure that you're going to bring it back. I believe that the point of Manebralis is about collaboration and is about self-expression. I believe that people will own the specific special NFT that they really want to display, to wear, to use and stuff. But there are a lot of parts that can be achieved by putting the people together. And that's really one interesting that we have is that if you collaborate, you should always get a higher reward than playing alone. For example, in this case, if we share the fish rod in 10 people, I'm going to pay one-tenth of it. And you can really scale this up and then you can get better NFTs because you have more liquidity available. The idea is that we want people to collaborate and with that to get a better experience in the game. And I hope that a bit of this actually gets translated in the real world. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. 
Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white label marketplace, as well as their highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. The trustless component, it's such a big deal. I'm thinking, I don't know why I keep thinking like Airbnb. Oh, it's great, right? You can share a space. People can come in and out. Great. But Airbnb has done this thing where they have this like insurance, basically, that they have if there's a problem with you. So basically, they pay if there's a problem. And the banks do the same thing, right? It's not that there's not fraud. There's fraud and the banks just pay to make it go away. And the fascinating thing about the trustless component that we're beginning to have is now it doesn't even have to be that way, especially with a physical thing like the Airbnb situation, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong. But you know, if it's transactional on the web, digital transactions, if you can set up a system that's trustless and just get rid of the whole fact that there's some sort of fraud available in the first place, it's it generates so much value. People don't realize how much value is being spent on that kind of thing these days. Yeah, I agree. I like that you brought the example of Airbnb. I think that this shared economy things is shedding away because there is a centralized actor that tries to cut even always a bigger fee. On the other side, they are actually monopolizing and they are incentivized into having substandard service as bad as you maximize the profit and stuff. And that's actually, we want to give something that gives the security. Why do you use Airbnb and you don't use Craigslist? It's quite obvious. We want to actually use blockchain that everybody can have the same standard, the reputation of Airbnb, because the smart contract is acting as guarantee that everything is going to be all right. It's awesome stuff. We could talk to you about this all day. I'm seeing that there's lots of components and it's a game, but it's not just a game. So it's really cool to hear the way you're thinking about it. Before we jump off the special hot topic here, we want to make sure people know how to find out more about you and what you're up to, you want to send us some links or websites or, or socials? Yeah, my neighbor, Alice, without the U, so the US, the American spelling. And we are on Twitter and Discord. And of course, my neighbor, Alice.com, we are the same handle. The important thing is without you because you use American spelling. That's really it. It looks normal yeah, to me. It looks great. We don't have yeah. to. I was like, where is there a you? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> if yeah, you're in the U, yeah, yeah, we don't do that. We don't do that. You can't spell you can't spell neighbor without you, but only in the UK. <laughs> but one of our producers are, that does our some of our pre-production notes is in India, right. and of course does include the uh, the right. British version of every possible yeah. word. So. Yeah. All right, great. Well, Ricardo, thank you so much. We'll let you go for today, but look forward to seeing you again on the flip side. Thank you very much for having me. Have a nice day. Good having you too, buddy. All right, guys. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. Invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? 
Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also, look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.